Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Hey, Crosspoint, welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. I uh, hate that we've had to do this uh, back-to-back. We did one on Sunday, doing one tonight, but I want us to stay on track for our, uh, this summer and uh, be able to complete some of our goals for the year. And so I felt the need to make some videos rather than maybe uh, hitting pause on our series or um, having a guest speaker in or anything. And so if you got your Bible, turn to James chapter number one is where we're going to kind of start tonight. Uh, For those of you who weren't with us uh, last week, we started a series entitled The Christian Mind, How the Christian Life Changes the Human Mind. And the goal is that as Christians, we would begin to develop strong minds that can really be a light and a testimony to others in our world. And so we want to be able to develop a biblical mind. This is not something where we're trying to solve a lot of mental issues, not not really something where we're trying to solve uh, mental health at all. But one of the things that we talked about last week was that while it seems like the rest of the world is really losing their minds and struggling with the area of their mind, as Christians, we should have a Bible basis for what what the Bible teaches about the mind and how it can actually be changed. And so for the next really nine weeks now, we're going to look at three different areas of the mind. The first one is restrict. The second one is refocusing. And then the third one is renewal. All verses of scripture that go with those. Um, Restricting is where we're going to be for this week and then two more weeks. I'm looking forward to being back with you uh, next week. I hope you'll take some time after we get done with the video. I'm going to keep the video brief uh, and do some of the questions, maybe even there in the class. And uh, maybe someone will want to hop up there and help lead that. But Tonight we're going to start with restricting. Now here's the here's where we're going to try to make this uh, interesting and work together. Is we're going to start tonight with restricting, and we're going to speak specifically with restricting evil, or if you want to give it another word, restricting temptation. And then this coming Sunday, we're going to start the battle of your mind, and we're going to look at different stories in Scripture where someone really saw victory or maybe their mind was affected through uh, some sort of uh, downfall, some sort of temptation or whatever. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number four, and we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus Christ and how Jesus himself overcame the temptation of Satan. And we're going to kind of preach through that and hopefully be able to take it and apply it to some more of the thoughts that we have tonight. And so James chapter number one is where we're going to start. And here's where uh, this this passage that we're going to read doesn't necessarily refer to the mind, okay? I'm going to go ahead and tell you that up front. But what it does refer to and what it does give us a glimpse into is the effect of sin. And sometimes as Christians that maybe we say, well, uh, I've been forgiven, like I've got grace, I've got... All of those things are 100% true according to Scripture. But Paul says in Romans chapter number 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The goal is not to have grace to sin. The goal is to have grace for when we sin. 
And so what I want us to look at is really specifically more of a behavior pattern. Um, how can we protect our mind from sin? Um, we're not going to use grace as a crutch. We're not going to use grace as um, really an out or an excuse. We're going to use it as a motivation. Um, I believe that that is what a scripture was, that grace is there to motivate us to live a pure life, to live a holy life. And if grace is leading you in an unholy lifestyle, if it, if it is pointing you in the direction of the world, then you're taking advantage of that grace. And so I don't think there's anyone in our class that is doing that. I just want to kind of give you that as some background information to the passage that we're about to read. James chapter number one, let's begin reading in verse number 12. The Bible says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So let me just go ahead and say this. One of the very early things that you need to recognize with temptation is that God doesn't use temptation in your life. Um, God does not tempt you with evil, which means this, that if you're being tempted with something evil or sinful or something that is against the word of God, you cannot justify that and say, well, that's coming from God, because according to verse number 13, that is impossible because God cannot tempt you with evil. Verse number 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death death. He gives us a glimpse into really the side effects of sin. He says that when sin is conceived, it births the child of death. It bringeth, or when lust is conceived, it births the child of sin. And so when sin runs full reign in your life, when lust begins to occur, lust of any type, okay? I know that sometimes we like to isolate lust uh, to a certain type of lifestyle or maybe, a, maybe even a certain gender, but lust can happen from really anyone. We can lust after someone else. We can lust after someone else's things. We can lust after someone else's looks or lifestyle or whatever, and lust eventually brings forth sin. So the goal of tonight's lesson is, is this is to look at restricting, and how do we step back and do we restrict ourselves from evil? One of the things that we talked about last week when we referred to the mind was that the mind, if you don't like what it's full of, you need to look at what's put, being put into it. If you don't like the type of water in the pool, you need to look at the hose that you've put into it. If you don't like the type of water in the pond or in the lake that you're swimming in, you, need, you don't go and you try to bail out all the water. You go and you look at what's flowing into it. You look at the streams that are being put into it. And so if you don't like the direction of your mind or if you don't like what your mind is producing, then it's going to start by saying, what am I putting into it and do I need to restrict that? And so today we're going to be specifically focusing on this idea of restricting evil or restricting sin or restricting temptation, however you want to really think about it. And so let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity given us to look into your word. Lord, may we take these thoughts, apply them to our hearts, apply them to our lives, 
and apply them to our minds so that we may have a mind that, as we learned last week, displays your faith. It directs our future, and Lord, it also develops our focus and it and has a way of distracting us and so may we keep our eyes focused on what is good what is holy lord may we keep our hearts and our minds focused on you rather than the things of this world that may be evil or sinful bless those in our class and i pray that you would be with them as they listen tonight and as they learn and grow in your name we pray amen um, obviously our thoughts and we learned this last week and we talked about it a couple weeks uh, before that our thoughts direct our life our thoughts sometimes are a way that distracts our focus and we learned even last week that our thoughts are a way that we can display our faith one of the really most simple and, and kind of easiest places for us to start when we begin to talk about restricting the mind is simply restricting the mind from that which is evil now i'll go ahead and say this that i don't think that any of us uh, that maybe have walked in the room tonight or, or uh, anyone in my family. I don't know that any of us intend to develop evil habits. In fact, if you have developed an evil habit and you're sitting in church tonight, most likely you're going to hide that from the person who's sitting next to you because we know that it's evil. And here's, the, here's kind of the point of, what, of where we want to go tonight, and that is this. We want to be able to step back and look at if we are filling our minds with evil, it's going to be hard for us to worship a holy God. If we are filling our lives with evil, then it's going to be very hard for us to serve God with a pure heart. And so we want to really knock this one off first, knock this simple one off so that we can maybe get into some more of the day-to-day -day struggles. And that is simply this, is by restricting evil we have an opportunity to live a holy and pure life. And let me just go ahead and say this. The Bible talks a lot about sin and its effects. And it even is honest enough to say that sin does bring pleasure. I have no doubt in my mind that obviously some of the sins of the world are pleasurable for a season, as Scripture says. But for you and I as Christians, if we are going to have a mind that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord and that is attractive to the rest of the world, it means that we're going to have to start to focus on that which is good, which means that we're going to have to restrict that which is evil. And here's what I think that you'll find. I don't think that you'll find that as you restrict that which is evil, that you'll have a way of looking at it to where you feel like you're missing out on something. I think that what you'll find is that as you restrict that which is evil and find that which is good and godly and pure and holy, that this is so much more fulfilling than what you had that may have only been pleasurable for a season. And so whether you're sitting here tonight and maybe you're in some sort of behavior pattern or you have some sort of thought pattern that is evil, that is unholy, then I want you to see just how good the thought patterns and keeping your mind focused on God can truly be. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, I don't have one, but I want to make sure that I don't develop one. This will help you as well. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and someone that you know is struggling with some sort of evil thought pattern. Maybe someone that you know is struggling with their thoughts. Maybe someone that you know is struggling with their lust or what they think about and thinking on, on things that are evil. This will help you as you help them and pray for them. And the goal tonight is not to give you something else that you should do. 
as much it is to really show the light and shed the light on that which is evil so that you can experience in its purest form that which is good, that which is holy, and I believe that which is most fulfilling. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at really the first thought tonight of how we restrict evil, and that is this, recognize the sin. Recognize the sin. I'm going to give you a couple of little sub points with this, but let me just boil it down for you as clearly as I can. Sometimes what I think that when I look at Christians who are maybe struggling with their struggling with sin or struggling with their thoughts or struggling with their mind, specifically with things that are evil, is that we've made it to where if sin does not have a consequence, then it's okay. If sin doesn't have a consequence, then it's okay. And what that basically boils down to is as long as I don't get caught, then the sin isn't that bad. But if you would stop for just a second and as a child of God, elevate the sin in your life and see it as God sees it, I think that it would become much more disgusting, for lack of a better term. I think that you would become much more dissatisfied with it. I think that you would begin to see it as something that you would want to set off rather than enjoying maybe the brief amount of pleasure that you could for a little while. And so I've given you a couple of thoughts here, and I'll give you some verses to go along with it. But I hope that these thoughts will help you, and this is not exhaustive in any way, but I hope that it will help you as you begin to recognize sin in your life. First of all, I want you to notice that it is against God, that it is against God. Psalm 51 verses 3 and 4 is David writing after he's sinned. And he's really just pouring his heart out to God. And so I want you to maybe take your Bibles or follow along there in your notes. I'm turning as you're turning. But Psalm 51, verse 3 and 4 says this, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Most of us don't live like that. Most of us very rarely acknowledge where we failed God or failed others. We don't live with our sin ever before us. And so because of that, we don't ever really get to verse number four, which is this. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. If David was writing this in regards to his sin with Bathsheba, which many people believe that he was, afterwards he went and committed murder by placing her husband on the front lines and he's writing this, and the truth is, is that there were a lot of consequences. This affected a lot of different people. It affected himself, obviously. It affected Bathsheba. It affected Uriah, her husband. And it affected David and Bathsheba's future child, in that they lost their life. And he says this, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. And David says something that is very interesting. He doesn't talk about the consequences of sin that it was having on him, on those in his kingdom, upon Joab, who was the leader of the mighty men, a leader of David's army. He doesn't talk about how that sin affected all of them. He says, against thee, God, have I sinned. And until you see your sin as something that is against God, very rarely will you become dissatisfied with it. So it is against God. And then secondly, it is dead. Look at Romans chapter number 6, verse 6. Romans chapter number 6, verse 6. The Bible says this. Let me get there. Romans 6, verse 6. It says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Romans 6 is probably one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And here's why. It gives us this mental image 
of sin being like a dead body that we carry around. We would feel odd carrying around a dead body, taking it to Walmart, taking it into our home, going to bed with it. We would feel odd with that, wouldn't we? As we should. And yet for many of us, we carry around dead sin the same way that it would be weird to carry around a dead body. Christ has died for that sin. That old man is dead. You don't have to carry it around. And so when you revisit the sin of maybe your past or you revisit the sin of the world, what you are doing is you're going back and you're bringing up a dead body and saying, let me spend time with this because I think it will bring me some sort of fulfillment. So see your sin is against God. See your sin is dead. And then thirdly, I see it as fleeting or just pleasurable for a season. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10, this is actually in regards to Moses. And I want you to see the wording. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 24 and 25. Actually, I'm sorry, not Hebrews 10. Hebrews 11, verse 24 and 25 says this. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That is a really interesting dynamic because here's what verse number 25 is actually saying, okay? It says that sin is pleasurable, okay? You can get that principle out of there. But it says that suffering affliction with God is better than the pleasures of sin for a season. When was the last time that you said, I am going to give up the pleasure of my sin for the suffering of God? That's normally, most people wouldn't look at something like pleasure and suffering and say, you know what, that seems like a fair trade. And yet suffering with God is better than the pleasure of sin because sin is fleeting. So recognize the sin and then secondly, I want you to see this is I want you to identify the behavior or maybe a better word for it would be to identify the pattern. Okay. Identify the pattern or the behavior. Here's what I want you to see is that if you are struggling in your mind with evil thoughts, we use James chapter number one as a, as a springboard. It specifically deals with the idea of lust. Most of lust is the result of pride. We think that we owe ourselves something. We think that we should live in a certain way to where only we should be happy. And the Bible says that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Okay? But for most people who struggle with evil in their mind or sinful thoughts, there must be a time to where you identify the behavior or the pattern. Without getting too detailed and without trying to maybe delve into something that I don't feel comfortable doing by way of video and definitely don't feel comfortable doing uh, maybe in a group setting, I want you to think for just a second about the moments that sinful thoughts come into your mind. I want you to think about that. And I want you to identify what is the pattern that gets you to that point. Is it loneliness? Is it comparison? Is it a lack of contentment? Is it stress? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? What is it that drives you to that sin to where you feel like that whatever is going on in your life, in your world, that sin is going to be better than it? 
All of those things that I named just off the top of my head are unbiblical thoughts. And sometimes what we do is rather than coming back to Scripture and saying, let me deal with this, let me take care of this so that I can have victory over this evil, we would rather just say, well, I can't deal with it, I don't know how to deal with this, and so instead I'm going to run back to what is evil. I'm going to get a little little shot of dopamine from social media. I'm going to get a little shot of whatever from this. I'm going, to, I, I'm going to come and get my happiness from my sin rather than getting my happiness from something that is biblical. And the reason why is because sometimes we don't like to do the spiritual work of actually saying, okay, I don't want to run back to that. So identify the behavior or the pattern. And as you do that, here's what I want you to see. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. This is a verse that we quote and that we use, but sometimes I don't know that we necessarily know how to apply it. And so as you're thinking that, I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 13 says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Which means this, that if you think, well, I'm the only one who struggles with this. I'm the only one who struggles with a lack of contentment. I'm the only one who struggles with comparison. I'm the only one who struggles with stress. I'm the only one who struggles with lust. I'm the only one who struggles with whatever, okay? If you think that, Scripture says that's wrong. There's nothing new under the sun, as Ecclesiastes says. So there's no temptation in 2021 that is new to God and new to the Holy Spirit and new to Scripture. So with that in mind, let's read on. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. So he's taking some misconception out. Okay? He's saying, okay, if you think that this is new, that's wrong. If you think that, well, the temptation is just too much. God, I, I can't handle it. I, I always give in to it. I always think this way. I always struggle with this thought. I always struggle with this feeling. This is just too much for me to handle. The Bible says that God in his infinite knowledge says that there will never be a temptation that is too much for you to bear. And then he says this, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Every behavior pattern or mind pattern or whatever you want to call it that is pushing you toward evil and temptation has three things according to this verse. First of all, it's not uncommon. Secondly, it's not too much for you to bear. And thirdly, there is a way out. Which means this, that if you are consistently struggling with some sort of thought process, of some sort of evil in your mind, let's find the way out. Let's find the way of escape. Maybe it's that you don't need to put yourself in certain scenarios. Maybe that it's you don't need to be on that certain social media site. Maybe it's that you don't need to put yourself with that person. Maybe it's that you don't need to drive that way on your way to work. Whatever it is, there is a way of escape according to Scripture. It's our job to find it. How many movies revolve around someone being trapped and someone being stuck somewhere and all of a sudden they look and there's a burst of light and there's a window and there's something that they can get out of? How horrible of a movie would it be if there was just, well, main character's gone. Guess, well, I guess that's it. 
Roll the credits. There's always a way of escape, isn't there? And the same is true with sin in your life. There is always a way of escape. And so here's what I want you to do. When you identify that behavior or that pattern or what pushes you that way, I want you to also take just a moment and identify the way of escape. Do you want to know why Daniel and his friends that stood up against the king were so successful in seeing God use them in their lives and not fall into the temptation and the traps of their new world? Is because of Daniel chapter number 1 verse 8. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. I don't know what that looks like, but if you can imagine being a teenage boy in shackles, being taken away from your family, being taken away from your home country, and walking to a new land and a new country. And on that walk and in those shackles, you had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to talk to God. And while 9,996 of them, if we throw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, took that time to focus on, well, how can I fit in in this new culture? Daniel and his three friends took that time to purpose in their heart that they would not defile themselves with the king's meat, that they would not bow themselves to Nebuchadnezzar. And many times the way of escape is not found in the moment with sin. The way of escape is found and predetermined before you get back to the pattern. And so identify the behavior, but along with that, identify the way out and the way of escape. And then lastly is this, is I want to encourage you to kill the root, which means this. Obviously, as human beings, we know that scripture teaches us that we have a sin nature. And there's nothing that we can do to change that. We are fleshly human beings. The salvation of Jesus Christ and his blood is the only thing that washes that sin away. But the truth is, is that many times the reason why we run to sin and we run to those old thought patterns that bring us that little bit of pleasure from it is simply because we haven't ever killed the root. We're trying to trim the branches. We're trying to maybe take care of uh, uh, just taking off the top, spraying a little bit of weed killer on it, and never actually killing the root, which means this. Victory over sin sometimes involves some intense, dirty, spiritual, gut-wrenching work. It may very well be that the reason why you're struggling with evil or sin or, or temptation is because there's something more there. There's a lack of gratitude for maybe the way that God made you. There's a lack of contentment for where you're at in life. There's stress that you have yet to figure out how to manage. And so rather than giving it to God and learning how to manage it and casting all your care upon him for he careth for you, you've just chosen to kind of maybe take the easy way out and go the route of sin. The truth is, is that you can step back. And as we've used as an illustration a couple of times and we'll continue to use you can look at the water that's there and say, I want to pull the hose. 
But there also comes a point to where it may very well be that you need to work upstream and see what is actually polluting the flow. What am I struggling with? What do I not know how to handle? What do I not know how to internalize properly? What do I not know how to interact with? Am I struggling with this sin because maybe it's because I don't trust God to actually give me victory over it? Am I struggling with this sin because maybe I'm discontent with where I'm at? Am I struggling with this sin because I'm stressed or I'm worried and I don't know how to cope with it? And if you're here tonight and you say, I'm struggling with temptation, I'm struggling with evil, let me encourage you to do three things that we talked about tonight. Or recognize the sin. See sin for what it is. Don't glamorize it. Don't make excuses for it. Don't, don't try to turn it into something that it's not. Simply see it as sin. See it as dead. See it as fleeting. And then let's step back and let's identify the behavior. What is it that is getting us to this point? Let's see, where's the, where's the way of escape? Where is it? What do I need to put in place to give me the exit door from sin? And then let's kill the root. Let's do maybe some hard spiritual work to say, I don't want to just take the surface off of this. I literally want to dig it out so that it never comes back again. So what's the root? of your sin. Let's pray. We'll let you guys get into some questions and some discussion. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the time that you've given us in your word tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we focus on our minds, Lord, specifically focused on dealing with evil and resisting it. And we ask that you would help them, guide them in their discussion, guide them in their questions. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening tonight. I look forward to being back next week with you. Look forward to following this up on Sunday. I hope you'll invite someone to join you. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.